Hello everyone, this is Kerwin and welcome to episode number 78 of What's Happening in Travel. I'm alone this week. Uh, Kershaw is not here. Uh, he is um, visiting family and um, taking care of family, so he can't be with us uh, today. So um, I'm writing solo. So what I'm going to do today is I did an interview with a friend of mine back in May uh, 3rd. May 3rd last year. And I want to bring that interview in uh, today. Uh, his name is Ryan. He works for an airline, a uh, major airline in uh, Hawaii. And Ryan wanted to come on and just talk about um, uh, you know, his experiences uh, working. And this was like uh, in, the, in the middle of the pandemic last year. So you'll hear him talk about that kind of stuff. And behind me today, my background is... Um, this was Antigua. Um, I'd gone down, I think, in 2019, and just kind of took a uh, stood by the stood by the ocean, by the Veranda Resort, which you can see right behind my head, and just took a, a video uh, early morning. I was alone. I was just hanging out, uh, enjoying the um, the sunrise. So listen to Ryan, and um, and when he's done, um, I'll come back with some thoughts. All right, everyone. So um, welcome to actually the, the very first episode of, of what I hope will be something that you guys like. Um, I'm in the aviation industry and most people just think about uh, airlines, about just buying a ticket and going somewhere. They don't really think about like how the airline works and the people behind the, behind the counter, right? So as you know, I'm in the airline business. I know a lot of people in the airline and um, my friend Ryan, uh, from, uh, he's in Hawaii. And um, I asked him if he could come and tell you what it's like to be a pilot for a major U.S. airline. And so um, he said yes. And I was way too excited. So uh, the next day we're on like we're doing now. And what I want to do is just quickly tell you about Ryan, okay? Um, so I'm just reading from my little notes here. Um, Ryan started in marketing uh, management Hawaii in 2000. And then he went to marketing at uh, Continental Airlines, which is where I met Ryan. I, sit, I used to literally sit right across the desk from Ryan. And um, then he went and flew for Gulfstream Airlines. And Gulfstream is now Silver Airways, right? That's correct. Yeah. And, um, and then he flew for XJT, which is Express Jet Airlines. Now, you guys don't think of these airlines. You just see it says United Express outside or it says Delta Express or something like that, or Delta Connection. You don't think about um, the name of the airline, but there's actually another airline that's operating that flight. And um, by law, the airlines are required to tell you that. So that's why you'll see something that says operated by Express Jet Airline or Endeavor Air or somebody like that. And so um, after he left that, uh, he went to fly for um, Hawaiian. And so um, today I'm going to pick his brain and find out what's been going on. So Ryan, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here. I miss uh, it. <laughs> oh, ditto, ditto. Uh, we, had, we had way too many, way too many fun times. And so, um, so here's the thing, Ryan, tell me, um, have you always wanted to be a pilot? You know, I've always been interested in aviation and really interested in travel. Yeah. And uh, when I, I went to college, I actually went to college and studied um, IT and computer science. Um, but my, my first job when I graduated college was um, I was a marketing manager for Hawaiian Airlines running yeah. their flyer program. So that kind of got me interested in working at an airline. But um, it, I ended up 
I ended up running into a Hawaiian Airlines captain who flew the DC-9 back in 2000. And he offered, this is before 9-11, he offered, because I was an employee, to give me a chance to ride in the cockpit. And we did two round trips to Kona, and I got to ride in the cockpit. And it just absolutely was interesting to me and really exciting. And that's when I kind of made my decision that, okay, I've got to figure out how to do this. That's when I started training is when I was actually at Hawaiian Airlines already working in, on their website and their e-ticket system, et cetera. Yeah. So did you just, um, I guess you took uh, flight training from a flight school. Is that how you got started in that? Yeah. So I, I, I used a local flight school. Um, I used a number of local flight schools, but the majority of my flying was at a place called Georgia's Aviation in Honolulu, right there at Honolulu International Airport. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, that's pretty cool because you know, um, I actually wanted to be a pilot, but as a young kid in Jamaica, it's really expensive. So um, I ended up shelving that idea and um, you know, went to work for an airline because um, as a kid, I was always curious as to where do people go and why they go where they go. So the closest thing to working for uh, flying for an airline was actually to work for an airline. So I ended up doing that. Um, so that's pretty cool. So how did the gig, what you're doing, well, well tell us what you're doing now. Like, uh, what, what's your, what's your, what's your job now? So now I'm a, I'm a first officer on the Airbus A330 at Hawaiian Airlines. Uh-huh. Um, the majority of the flying that I do is long haul. Um, every flight that I do is, um, what we call ETOPS, which is okay. twin engine operations, which means that we go over the ocean for greater than 180 minutes. So we do long haul over the ocean um, flying. So most of what I do is one leg out and then I turn around and I do one leg back. So I I fly generally to the West Coast, a little bit of New York and Boston on the East Coast. Um, I do a lot of Australia with Sydney and Brisbane and I do Auckland, New Zealand and Tokyo and Korea, done a little China and the Philippines, but it's pretty much everything in and out of Hawaii. Yeah. At my company, we just have one one hub, one domicile. So one of the things that I like um, about Hawaii, Hawaiian to me is like the hidden American airline or airlines or U.S. airline, because most people, unless you live in Hawaii, you don't really think about Hawaiian airlines. Um, and you guys actually fly one of the longest domestic routes. I think you go from it is Honolulu the longest to North, right? Yeah, Honolulu to Boston. Oh, to Boston. Okay, that's the new long, that's the new long one. Yep. How long is that one? about 12 hours so 12 hours that's like houston tokyo <laughs> houston tokyo is about 14 that's just oh, about 14. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Uh, i always tell people that uh, i think houston um honolulu is like about eight and a half hours or so and right. houston london is very close to that <laughs> that's true uh, so yeah that's pretty crazy so um what a advice would you have for well I should say that the airline industry is in turmoil now so probably we should talk about that a little bit like what are your sure. days like now um, you know with uh, like because I know that there's still some flights but a lot of them are cargo so typically like I mean w- what are you doing these days so we had a little bit of a break for a little while um, well well the airline was recovering from COVID but actually starting tomorrow I'm going back to a full schedule I'm going to be flying cargo flights from Honolulu to Seoul Oh, wow. um, so I've got four round trips to Seoul this month and um, Hawaiians, <clears throat> in my opinion, Hawaiians 
really trying to be smart and they're picking up opportunities to fly cargo and looking for as many opportunities as they can just to stay alive. And I think that's really cool. So um, I'm excited to start going to Seoul this month. Good. So um, is, it, is it just um, underbelly cargo or are you actually doing the cargo in the airplane thing? I don't, the cabin? I don't, I don't actually believe we have cargo on the, uh, on the upstairs portion of the airplane. I think it's all in the cargo area, but I know that we normally have a rest bunk that we keep down there. And I know they removed that just so they can haul additional cargo. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, often, I often tell people that um, aviation started with cargo and, and everyone just thinks it's all about the people. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, when you see the, when I tell them that no airplane is flying, it's like, well, we need that because we still need our mail. We still need food. I mean, in these cases, we need supplies, we need PPEs and things like that. So um, thank you. Uh, thank you for doing that. You're welcome. You know, one of the interesting trivia things that a lot of people don't know is Hawaiian Airlines has the oldest cargo certificate still in operation in the United States. It's 91 years old and it's cargo certificate number two. Wow. <laughs> so do you know who was number one? I, I can't, I think it was the old Iberia. Um, I, I can't remember exactly, yeah. but um, Hawaiians started in 1929 and they, they got a, they have an old cargo certificate. Wow, that's impressive. That's impressive. I know that um, in the olden days, they used to they used to fly. They used to light those barrels um, of fire, and that's how they used to use to navigate across the country. <laughs> right, right. Oh, uh, that's pretty all, all cool. GPS now. <laughs> I know. Right? Oh, well, you know, speaking of GPS, so like, uh, you know, kind of walk us through a flight to to Incheon, say, right? I mean, what? Uh, how do you prepare for it? You know, how does it work? So um, the way we prepare for, for long haul flights like that is, is it all starts with a dispatcher. So we have a, a, a dispatcher that is out there looking at all the notams um, with notices to airmen, all of the information about the airports, all the weather, all the alternate weather, um, everything about the route, turbulence, everything. And they're basically deciding our route based on all of those factors to try to give us the smoothest, most cost-efficient route we can possibly do. And when the pilots get there, we show up to the airport about an hour and a half early or so before departure. And we sit down and we pull our paperwork and we call our dispatcher and the dispatcher will brief us on what they've come up with as far as our, our route goes. And talk to us about the weather and talk to us about things. They ask us if we have any concerns that we need to, to incorporate into that flight plan yeah. based on what we see, just in case they may have missed something. Um, and we kind of work as a team. It's not really a one-way deal, but we kind of have to work together to you know, come up with exactly what we're doing. Usually we just follow what they've already pre-planned because it's yeah. pretty predictable. Um, then we take our paperwork and we uh, walk out to the gate and we set up a flight, program the program the airplane with the, all the waypoints that, that they've already planned for us. And we uh, start running our checklist and get the flight ready. It's, uh, it's, 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 it takes about an hour and a half to do that. So what are waypoints? I mean, just for the, just for the people who don't know sure. what that is. So a waypoint is, another word for it is a fix. Um, it's a position, usually it's a GPS coordinate that has a, a name. Okay. Sometimes they're, they're unnamed. Sometimes they're just lat long, uh, latitude, longitude points. But um, basically, they're, it's like a breadcrumb trail that the airplane follows. And you, you 
plug it into the computer and it, it follows that all of those little waypoints all the way along for your route. So, and you know, you, you never, you never stick with all the waypoints the entire route because when you get close to where you're going because of traffic, usually they'll start turning you off into different directions and bringing you around to, to do your approach and landing. Uh, but gotcha. For all the ocean crossings, they have very specific tracks that we usually follow for, especially the West coast. Uh, that's pretty cool. Now, now um, since most of your, most of your, oh, there, before I ask that one, um, um, currency, right? So, uh, and, and currency is in the airline industry, it's keeping current. So I, I can just, well, you explain that. You're the expert. <laughs> sure, yeah. That, no, that's an easy one. We, um, we have to do three takeoffs and three landings every 90 days to stay current. And then once a year, um, we go to the simulator and we do a recurrent simulator training for, that takes about three days. Okay. Yeah. And and so I saw something that um, was it uh, Asiana had the A380s and if you saw that uh-huh. and they had some issues with it where um, because there's lack of simulators or simulator time they may actually have to fly the airplanes to make the get the pilots current. Yeah, the airplanes will get you just as current as a simulator. So that's interesting. That, that seems like a high cost way to do it. <laughs> it is, it is. But the article I was reading was in one mile at a time. And he was saying that they had looked, he had said they sketched it. They looked at all the different ways. So they used to use Koreans, but then because Koreans, they have their own pilots and they're using them. And then they used to go to Bangkok and use the, um, I think it's his Thai Airways, his uh, simulators. But they can't because when you go to Bangkok, you have to be in quarantine for 14 days. <laughs> so, well, we're running into that problem too in Hawaiian because... Uh, we have an A330 simulator in Honolulu that we own. We have an A321 simulator in Honolulu that we own. But all of our inter-island pilots fly the, the Boeing 717. And the only 717 simulators that we know of in the world are, there's two of them in Atlanta that are run by Delta. Uh-huh. And then there's one of them down in Brisbane that's run by Qantas, which is the one Hawaiian Airlines uses. And so for our guys to go down there, they'd end up in quarantine and it's just not practical. So our company is coming up with other ways of doing things. And one of them is that if you're a 717 guy and you're not getting called in very often, you're supposed to call in and they, they give you a trip so you can get a few landings in. Oh, good. Oh, geez. That's, that's, that's pretty amazing. This that's part a of being alive in COVID, right? I know it is. It is. And uh, so have you guys parked in the planes? Um, and if so, where they park? Yeah, we, we have a whole row of, of airplanes parked in Honolulu. Um, Wow. It's, yeah. That's we, we, it. We, Hawaiian actually is one airline that really did something a little bit different. We really scaled back to minimal bare bones operations for a little while. So wow. That's we're smaller. It's just how we have to operate. Exactly. Um, so what's, what's the favorite part of your job? My favorite part of my job is the people I work with. You know, I, I work at a very small airline. I fly with, yeah, the same pilots pretty much all the time. Yeah, um, yeah. And and we we all know each other, and we all know each other's kids and wives, and we just kind of spouses, and we just kind of you know have a nice little camaraderie. It's a little flying club. It's I really enjoy the people, but I also really enjoy the travel. For me, I've, operating an airplane is really exciting, and and it's technical, and it's it's interesting, and. I also, I actually just really enjoy going places. So for me, that's, that's a big plus. Cool. Cool. 
So how do you, how is there the balance between the family and, you know, work? How does that work for you? You know, for me, I, I have a, a wife and two small girls that are, you know, in, in uh, grade school. And the reason I chose Hawaiian Airlines is because of the schedule. And the way it works at Hawaiian is every, because of our geographic location, nothing is closer than five and a half hours away, which is San Francisco. That's the closest point to Hawaii. Uh-huh. And pilots can't be in the cockpit for more than eight hours. So you can't round trip that in a day. So everything we do is one leg out and one leg back generally. And so for us, it's great because we have a lot of two and three day trips and that's pretty much what I do is I do about one long haul three day trip a, a week. So like, for example, most, most of the time my schedule is I'll leave at noon on a Monday and I come back noon on a Wednesday and um, then I'm home with my family the rest of the time, which is a, a wonderful opportunity. Uh, very cool. And I, I, I like to hear that. I, I, it always um, amazes me at how much, um, I guess, time away from home um, pilots fly but our, our air crew do, but I guess it's kind of like a family thing and it's something you can take the family along. So that's pretty good. Yeah. And I do, I do that quite regularly. This is uh, for the last four years in uh, every June, when my kids get out of school, we have just a few five day layovers in Brisbane, Australia. Yeah. So I bid the five days back to back to back to back to back and I'll leave the family down there for a month and just fly back and forth. Uh, that's really cool. And yeah. uh, okay. So speaking of that, um, and people always ask me this and I go, well, I don't really have one, but I'm going to ask you anyway, which is your favorite city to lay over? <laughs> My very favorite place to go is either Sydney or Brisbane, but uh, I love Australia and I love New Zealand too. Yeah. But I would say Sydney is probably number one for me. That's cool. I, I like Brisbane. Um, Sydney is cool, but Brisbane, there's something about it. Um, I don't know how to take the, is it the cats that just go way out on the, um, up into the interior of the country? Yeah. Uh, the cities, uh, I really like those. Um, so what do you do when you're not flying? You know, um, I, I spend a lot of time with my kids. I, I, I go to the beach a lot. I, I love going, I live up in the mountains in Hawaii and I'm building a home and I, uh, we're, we're always, uh, spending time. I'm on the, 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 uh, the Hawaii Racing Association board. So we're always doing car shows and just yeah. hobbies and things. So I know Ryan likes um, VW. So every time I see a VW when I travel, I always take a picture and send it to him. <laughs> I always appreciate that. Uh, they, they are pretty cool vehicles. And right? especially in Europe, you see some really old ones just like hanging out in, hanging out in the middle of nowhere. So I always like to take a picture of those. Yep, they're fun to cruise. I know, right? So um, if... I know the industry is in turmoil, but you know, for um, what advice would you give someone who, you know, they want to be a pilot, they want to go work for an airline? I mean, how would you, what would you tell them? My advice is go to, go to college. You need to have a degree for the most part. There's a couple, there's people that have gotten hired as pilots without a degree, but most people need a degree. Most people that get hired have a degree, but I would tell them not to study aviation, but to go study something that will help feed them while they're trying to get their aviation stuff going and then do aviation on the side. And, um, and that's kind of what I did. I ended up using my IT degree until I was really solid and with my airlines for a little while. And then I finally let the IT side, you know, kind of fade away and I just focused on flying. 
but for a lot of years, you know, when you're at the level of just barely starting out with a commercial pilot and or instructing or working at a regional, um, it's nice to have another skill like marketing or accounting or business or something else that where you can run a little side gig and make some money for to help feed you. So <laughs> that's good because I think a lot of people um, think that pilots, you know, initially make a lot of money, but they don't. I mean, it, it's that's true. It took me about from start to finish. Took me 11 years to get hired at Hawaiian and 12 years to where I felt like I was able to take care of myself on just my aviation income. Yeah, it, our industry is kind of crazy when you think about it, right? <laughs> but, uh, well, Ryan, um, this has actually been really good. I, I think I think we're gonna have a good insight into you know what it takes to be a pilot, um, uh, kind of what you know what goes on, what goes on behind the scenes. Oh, before I, before I, before I wrap up though. When you fly these long flights, um, you know, I know there's some kind of rest and things like that. Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, for example, I do Sydney most of the time and, um, my Sydney trips, I always have, we always have three pilots. We have, we'll take a captain and usually two first officers. And one of the first officers acts as an, we call it an RO or an international relief officer. Uh-huh. And so what happens is the first officer ends up sitting in the right seat. The captain sits in the left seat. Um, one of the two does the flying, the other one, the opposite one does the radio work and the paperwork, but the RO sits in the jump seat in the middle. And what happens is when we take off, the RO, will go, the RO goes and gets a, a, a probably two and a half to three hour nap. And um, because it's about a 10 hour leg. And then after that time comes up, then one of the, the other pilots, depending on who's landing, um, we'll go back and take a break and the RO will go sit in their seat for a little while and then swap the next guy out and the RO will move to the other seat. And uh, that way yeah. we all kind of rotate and everybody gets a break. And uh, it works pretty good actually that way. I, I used to think that doing ultra long haul flying would be really hard on my body. Yeah. But um, if, you, um, if you manage your sleep well, you, you get used to it. Your body kind of figures it out. In fact, my family too, they, they're so used to 10 or 11 hour flights that we go to the West Coast and it's only five hours and they feel like, oh my gosh, we're already, <laughs> we're already here. What are we doing? <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. So, you know, you talk about um, switching, uh, switching around. So do you just flip a coin? Who's going to land this time? Is that how it works? Usually, usually the captain will, will say to the, the first officer and he'll say, hey, do you want to take us, do you want to bring us back? And, and you know. We just kind of, one guy goes down, the other guy goes back. We just rotate around like that. Ah, that's very cool. I actually, I've done about two, maybe three cockpit landings. Nice. And uh, yeah, they were pretty cool. One was actually on a 777-300 in Hong Kong, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, on Cathay, it was a long time ago. Uh, uh, but into, not Kai Tak, the, the, the new airport. Um, okay. It was amazing. It was just, the thing is that, you know, you want to say something, you just have to be quiet. <laughs> but but it, it's very cool. And I got, uh, it was a 737. Um, it was the only, because um, Lufthansa allows, um, I guess, non-reps to fly a jump seat. Uh, even, even if, as long as you're in management, uh, you can fly a jump seat, even though you're not a uh, flight crew. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so um, I was able to sit in a 737 landing in Dusseldorf. So that was kind of fun. That's cool. Um, yeah, so um, I forgot what the other one was, but I've, uh, oh, I know, um, 
I don't know if you remember Ireland called Kiwi. They were based yeah. in Orlando. And uh, a friend of mine used to work with me, who was a dispatcher. And as it turns out, I used to teach him math in school. And um, I, he called up and he goes, um, do you want to go to New York? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you want to go to Cochrane? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so he arranged it and I was able to take that. Um, and that was a 7, 727. Yeah. Okay, that's exciting. That's cool. Yeah, so that was fun. It's but too I, bad we can do that more often because I think that would give people a little bit of a taste of what it feels like to be up there. Yeah, most definitely. Oh, and, and most recently, um, I was on a delayed flight um, out of Europe. Um, I was going into London, I think it was, on a British Airways flight. And because they were delayed, the guy came on, the first officer, and he said, hey, um, we have nothing to do. If you want to come up, you can see the cockpit. And um, I looked around and nobody moved. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> and so I went up and saw it. And so that was really good. Um, he, was, uh, he just wanted to talk. He had nothing to do. He had done all these pre-flight checks and stuff like that. And they were just waiting for, for um, traffic to clear. So, uh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, I don't know if you have any parting words um, for everyone, anyone. No, you know, I guess the thing I, I would say is if it's something you're interested in, you know, you got to pursue it. One of the things you can do to start is you can go to a local flight school. A lot of times they offer an inexpensive discovery flight for about a hundred bucks and you can mm -hmm. go up and fly with a flight instructor and see if it's something you're interested in. All so. right, very cool. All right, thank you, Ryan. I, I appreciate that. And um, I... And I guess you can just Google local flight schools is probably, is probably the thing to do, right? Sure. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up soon. All right. Um, okay. And so, folks, this is our uh, end of our first episode. Um, I was hanging out with Ryan, and that was really good. Um, stay tuned for more episodes, and make sure you um, subscribe and share with your friends. And if you got questions, too, just leave questions below and um, we'll try to get your answers. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Take care, Ryan. Aloha. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. I hope that listening to Ryan gave you an insight into what it takes to, um, to be a pilot. Uh, in the aviation industry. I'm sorry, that's my phone ringing in the background. <laughs> of course, right? So um, thank you for watching. Remember, and remember, we are on Spotify. Uh, we are on, um, what are we on? We're, we're, we're on all the podcast networks out there. But apparently, it only counts if you're on Apple. You know, go figure. So um, if you're on Apple, you know, um, download us, listen to us, leave a comment, leave feedback so we know what's going on. Um, there was a, oh, there are three episodes that was never loaded, episode nine, episode 11, and I think episode 12, and those have been loaded. So go take a look at those. Again, thank you so much for listening today and um, we'll talk soon. Oops. <laughs>